Hello, amazing listener. This is TTL with Promise, and TTL simply means truth, thoughts, and lessons. I'm glad and thankful that you made it to this podcast. So this podcast revolves predominantly about the truth of God's word, but you'll also get to hear my thoughts on certain subjects and lessons I've learned from life's experiences so far. This episode is titled The Breath of Fresh Air, in the hopes that by the time you're through listening, you'd feel unburdened and you'll be launched into freedom greater than you've ever known. And I pray this is your experience in the name of Jesus. So there are two subjects I would be talking about today. Subjects which you most likely have heard of or you've been taught about. And even if you haven't, your mind probably has some form of interpretation about them. And despite the popularity of these subjects, they are greatly misunderstood and wrongly approached. This makes most people feel frustrated when it comes to this subject. It makes them feel disillusioned. And I'm referring to the subjects of sin and righteousness. You know, the major reason why living without sin, when people hear sin, it seems impossible and leading a righteous life seems like a Herculean task is because of a lack of understanding of this subject. If you don't understand something, it it gets difficult to apply. They say understanding is the power of knowledge. So if you understand what sin is, you understand what righteousness is, it makes it easier for you to be able to decipher when you're in sin and when you're righteous. If not, you just take whatever anybody tells you or you just like try to wing it. I think I am righteous. You're just trying to guess. Today, I'm going to talk about what sin actually is so you can spot it miles away and also what righteousness is so you can fully embrace it. There is a particular way God sees sin according to the Bible and it's kind of different from what we know sin to be. The first thing is God sees sin as an inheritance. Sin is an inheritance. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and this death spread to all men, because all sinned. So, there was one man, Adam, and he sinned. He disobeyed. And that sin became a legacy. So, you know when parents die, they leave properties for their children, they leave assets, they write a will. I'm leaving four houses for this particular one, two cars for this one. They leave a good name. They leave an inheritance for their children. Adam, in his own case, left us sin. The reason why you're a sinner is not because you started doing something. Like there was a particular day you woke up and just did one thing. And from that day, God now says, oh, this one is a sinner. No. The reason why you're a sinner is because you were born as a descendant of Adam. Your father and mother had intercourse to give birth to you. You were born of flesh and blood after the order of man. And as you were born, you just received sin, dropped in your laps as an inheritance. The first way God sees sin is as an inheritance. Sin is also in nature. So the Bible says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Which means there is a corruptible seed. You know what a seed is, right? A seed is something you put in the ground with the hopes of seeing something, a plant, a tree that grows forth with roots, with shoots, with branches, and then gives fruit. Every human being is born of a seed that is corrupted. As you're born, the seed is sown. With time, it matures and then begins to yield what you see as sin. What we see as sin are just the offshoots 
of what is already inside us. Every human being is born of that corruptible seed that yields the fruit of corrupt behavior. So Galatians 5 verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are... It could have said now, sins are evident, which are... No. It says now the fruits... The offshoot of this source, of this nature, they are evident, then now goes on to list what we perceive to be sin. Sin is first a nature that gives birth to a behavior. For example, you're a human being because you have the nature of a human being. You have the seed of a human being, the life form, the DNA of a human being. And as a human being, you're expected to see, you're expected to breathe, you're expected to talk, you're expected to eat, you're expected to, to run, to walk, to move, to do everything that human beings do. But now there's people that can't see, there's people that were born blind or turned blind. There's people that are lame, there's people that are dumb, they can't speak. There's people that are deaf, they can't hear. But are they still human beings? Yes. But you would say, this person can't see. A human being is expected to see, but they can't see. They don't probably don't qualify as a human being, but no, they are still full humans. Without the attributes, maybe without the full attributes of a human being. But it does not prevent them, it does not stop them from being human. Because why? Those things that we classify as the attributes of a human being, those are not the things that make you a human being. For example, when a baby is born and the baby cries, it's not the crying that makes the baby a human being. It's not when you cry that your parents now believe, oh, I gave it to a human being and not a snake. No. The crying only validates what you already are. The crying only validates the fact that, oh, you can feel pain, you can feel a change in the environment, a change in stimulus, and you can react to it. That's what it validates. It does not mean we are waiting for this baby to cry to not tell whether it's a human being or not. We already can see that this is a human baby. Sometimes when people want to, to deal with sin, they tend to now begin to deal with behavior first. No. It's not the behavior that made you a sinner. You just commit those acts naturally because you're already a sinner by nature. So the baby just cries because it's a human being that can react to stimulus. You just do those things that you do because you're human and it's your nature to sin. So the first time you lied, the first time you committed a sin, if you check it, nobody actually taught you. You probably just took something and you're like, who took it? And then fear just grabbed you. If I should confess now, my mom, she beat me the other day. And then it just came out of you so naturally. And after that, you saw that you escaped and you're like, whoa, it works. I'm going to try this next time. And it began to grow. It just came out of you naturally like it was always a part of you. Because yes, it's actually a part of you. So sin is just like a tree. At birth, the seed of sin has been sown. And it grows to the point where it begins to produce fruits, which are now the sinful behaviors we see. Sin is not the result of something you did. It's something that was handed over to you. The average person finds it difficult to stop sinful behavior. Because it's as natural to him or her as eating. The same way you find it so easy to eat, to sleep, or to do any other thing that human beings do. To exhibit the behaviors of sin is just natural to you. No matter how hard you try to be good, you just keep realizing that you can't keep up with God's standards. And this is where the frustration sets in. I was there. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew all of these things. I knew what to do. My mom would always drum it in my ear. My dad would always say, to go to church. It was all around me. In the books, in the morning devotion, I knew it. I knew the Ten Commandments. I knew this is what I should do. But I just wouldn't do it. Because I couldn't. 
and I became frustrated and disillusioned. At some point, I thought this entire righteousness thing, I don't think I belong to this sect. I don't think it's for me. I, I think I'll find my own people. This is not for me. <laughs> but this is not God's will because the way the way we approach sin, the way we approach dealing with it, it's it's showing that we don't understand it, and that's why God is saying this: that there is a way we've seen sin that is not the way He sees it, and if you keep on seeing it that way, it will be difficult to get rid of it. Future. Because you can't finish what you did not begin. Even Adam that began this could not finish it. How much more you? The same way Adam left us sin as our inheritance. Jesus Christ left us righteousness. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. You came into sin and you did not do anything about it. So just handed over to you and you had to suffer the consequences and the sorrow that comes with knowing you can't help yourself. The same way before you were even born, God already prepared righteousness for you to come into it when you decide to. Beautiful. Another thing righteousness is, just like sin, it's, it's in nature. That same verse that says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Righteousness is a seed too, a nature, a genetic encoding. But this time around, it's a nature that is incorruptible. Nothing can corrupt it. So righteousness is not acting in a particular way. I now begin to wear big clothes. I begin to go to church. I buy the biggest Bible, you know. I spend all my time praying. I no longer work. I no longer do anything. So I begin to give everything I have to the poor. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is first in nature before behavior. The same way sin is as a result of a nature, you know, a force at work in you that makes you just fall for temptation. Righteousness is also an encoding in your spirit where the nature of sin is taken away and the very nature of God, the very life of God, the Holy Spirit begins to live in you. And according to what the Bible says, that as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. So this nature of God, this life of God in you now enables you to live as a son of God. Your behavior now begins to adapt to your new nature. It's not behavior you change first. It's the nature you deal with. That's why the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all of those things that the Bible listed for us. Because these things that you're seeing, they are offshoots. It calls them fruits. Meaning, before you see fruits, there are branches. There is the shoot and there is the root. So when you're trying to get to the fruits of the Spirit, you're trying to show love to yourself first and to other people. You're trying to have joy in every situation. You're trying to live in peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and all of that. You don't go for these things first because you would get very frustrated. <laughs> it's actually difficult to love, to just love, to just always be joyful. But when you deal with the roots first, you have the nature of God in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. The power of God now lives in you. You are now a son of God. Hey, now we're talking. It now begins to change your mind, to retrain you. Then this fruit that you desire to see will begin to manifest one after the other because they're righteous by nature. I used to wonder when I was little, like, I think God is partial. Like, why would he judge people that lie? Just commit petty, petty things here and there. And put them in the same hellfire with murderers. Like, so my part should have maybe fan or AC. Or there should be some form of distinction. I've heard people say this thing. Like, I know they're too sin. Or I just they try my best. They just do the one I can do and all of that. You see, we are mistaken. What God sees as sin is the root. So when God looks on it, he's not looking. Okay, this one just like, now. Nah, she's still, she's trying. She used to go to church, even though 
She used to just get angry sometimes. Ah, she's trying. This one, ah, kidnapper. No, no, no. That's the one that is a sinner. No, that's, that's not how God judges this thing. When he looks down, he judges you by the nature. So he looks. This one is giving to the poor and doing everything. But the nature of sin is still there. Hmm. That's just what... Righteousness is also a gift. A gift that expresses God's love for us. So Romans 5 verse 6 to 8 says, For while we were still without strength, while we were in our weaknesses, while we were still sinners, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hardly for a, for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It will be hard to find someone that would die for a good man, no matter how good you are. That's what the Bible was trying to say, that scarcely would you just find someone that would die for even a good person. But the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, like now we offend God. I mean, it's the person that offends that should actually be looking for ways to make amends. But God, who is the offended, <laughs> was the one that said, you, you don't deserve anything good though. You are not good. You're not righteous. But I would still die for you. So this expresses God's love for us. Continues in Romans chapter 5 verse 17 to 19. It says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gifts came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Righteousness is simply a gift. It's not something you earn or deserve. He calls it here a free gift. And it's a demonstration of God's love to us. There was absolutely no reason why God had to send Jesus Christ to die. Because we were the defaulters. But you see, he sent Jesus Christ to die to demonstrate his love for us. And to give us the free gift of righteousness. And now, what do you do when you're gifted something? Do you try to earn it? Somebody says, hey, I got this phone for you. I dropped it at a soap place. Go to pick it up. You don't try to now earn that thing. It's already in your name. All you have to do is to receive it. Righteousness is not something you do or a stage you try to get to. No. Righteousness is a gift you receive that now launches you into that state you know you should be. There is a state we all know we want to get to. A state we know we want to be in. A state of sonship. A state of peace. We are one with God. You don't now start working at It's not like a journey. I'm not trying. Mm, today I'll do one. Tomorrow I'll take another step. No. Righteousness is a gift that just launches you straight into the state of sonship. There was a man in the Bible called Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. He was not just an ordinary soldier. He was leading hundreds of soldiers. Now, if you watch historical movies or read history, Roman soldiers were kind of brutal. But this man, the Bible described him as good, as a just man. He would give his arms to the poor, would help the needy, and it was so good that among millions of people alive then, God recognized him from heaven like, yo, there's one man alive in Rome right now, and I just can't take my eyes off him. He's just so good. Considering all of this, you'd be like, wow, God must be happy with him. But here comes the shocker. God was not pleased with him. Ah, you would wonder, for someone to be this good, that God recognized him among millions of people alive, he's not still pleased with him. Why? Because 
despite his good works, the nature of sin was still there. And no matter how good it was, the day some form of temptation would come, it would exhibit the evilest of evils, if there's anything like that. So what did God do? He had to now send Apostle Peter to go talk to him, to go preach to him and his family about the gospel of Christ, how Jesus Christ has come and died and resurrected to give them a new form of life that will now give meaning to his good works. And after that, that was when God was pleased with him. That's why the Bible says all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Many people mistake sin and righteousness for behavior, you know, and focus on trying so hard to be good. But they keep missing the mark and getting angry. You see, if you if you actually observe Jesus Christ when he was on earth, there was hardly anybody that came to him and Jesus told them to go and change one particular thing, then come back and receive them. See Mary Magdalene, for example. She was a prostitute. She was demon-possessed. Jesus did not say, hey, 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 your sins are too much. I am holy. I am God Almighty. You go first and change your ways do some form of um, repentance and all that's for like two weeks then when you come back i'll consider you no jesus cast out the demons saved her and what happened after there was a change see the woman that was about to be stoned she was caught committing adultery jesus did not say he did not say you woman now stand up and go back and tell that man that you've parted ways with him then when you do so you come back and then i will now help you no right there on the spot hey this is the god of the bible this is the god we need to know look at zacchaeus zacchaeus was robbing his people he was taken from them when jesus saw him he did not say you thief you wicked see how these people are suffering i came to save the masses you're taking away from them you're the ones oppressing and no 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 jesus said oh zacchaeus i see you i'm coming to your house <laughs> and everybody was shocked that is it Till now, people are still shocked that this is the God of the Bible. This is the God we need to experience. The God that knows that we are helpless and has sent help our way. We should not turn away our eyes and keep looking at what religion paints God to be to us and ignore his help, then claim that it's not working. When Jesus came to Zacchaeus and dined with him and everything, you could see the change in his behavior. He had encountered Jesus. He started giving out to the poor. Behavior is not what God expects from us first. It is this nature he wants to deal with. He gave Jesus his boat. When Jesus finished using his boat, look at the Samaritan woman. He met her at the well. He knew she had seven husbands. He did not say, hey, I know you. From here to here, up and down. Go back now and divorce every single one of them. Then when you're done, come back. When you're coming, dress a particular way. Do a particular way. Don't smile. Be sober because you're a sinner. No! She encountered Jesus and immediately she became an evangelist. Everything about her changed. The change in behavior does not come first. It's the change in nature, that encounter with God. That's what should be the focus. Jesus never told anyone to change first when he met them. Because he knows we're helpless in ourselves. And if he tells us to fix up, we'd focus on cutting down the fruits and not the roots. And after a while, the fruits will resurface. But you see, each and every one of these people, after encountering the love and power of God, did change follow? Yes. And the last thing I would say about righteousness is, because you did not earn righteousness by your efforts, you cannot lose it by your efforts. You did not earn it by your behavior. Before you were born, God already prepared it as a gift for you. So you just woke up to the realization one day that there's a gift that has my name on it and I'm going to claim it. And you go to receive that gift. 
when you now act some kind of way that is contrary to what you should do, because your behavior did not get you righteousness in the first place, what makes you think it can take it away from you? So for example, while we were children, many of us acted funny. <laughs> There were some of us that just love to play in the mud. Whenever it rains, you just want to play in the mud. And there's just this thing that attracts the children to things they should not do. Do human beings play in the mud? Are human beings supposed to love playing in the mud? No. A mature person should not play in the mud. It's pigs that play in the mud. As a little child and your mom sees you playing in the mud or your dad, and they pick you up, they now say, hey, look at you, you pig. Get out of my house, you're no longer a human being. But did you act like a pig? Yes. You exhibited the behavior of a pig. But does it change the fact that you're a human being? It doesn't because what makes you a human being is something deep inside your, your soul. That behavior cannot change. Some of us, while we were little, used to eat grass, like me, for example. <laughs> but I used to eat lemongrass. I used to eat cashew leaf. I used to eat guava leaf. I used to eat all kinds of weird things. But now it's goats. It's herbivores that eat grass. Whenever my mom sees me eating grass, she does not say, leave my house, you're now a goat. You can look for your mother goat. No. <laughs> what does she do? She picks me up. She would spank me. She would and keep me inside the house. Stop acting like a goat. Act like a human being. So I acted like a goat, but I did not transform into a goat. I still retained my human nature because behavior does not change your nature. So whenever you, you make a mistake as someone who has now received this nature of Christ, because as important as receiving the nature of God is, Another thing that is equally important is maintaining that life you have received. And it is very easy to do if you have proper understanding. That's why I have to add this. When you make a mistake, when you miss the mark, because it is your spirit that is perfect. Salvation happens in your spirit. The nature, it's, your, it's in your spirit. When God takes away the nature of sin from your spirit, it now gives you a new spirit. It gives you a new life. The Holy Spirit begins to live in you. It happens in your spirit. Your body and mind, they have some warming up to do. Now, let's say you give your life to Jesus when you were like 18 years, or some people do it earlier, let's say 15, you know, as early as possible, or 20, or 30, or 40, or 50. And you've lived all these years of your life in sin. Your mind has been trained to think sin, like have all those thoughts, dwell on it, and all of that. Your body has been trained to just fall for temptation. As soon as it enters your mind, you're already, you're already going on to act it out. When you come to God and say, hey, Father in heaven, I receive your spirit, I receive your life, and then it gives you a spirit. It happens in your spirit. Your body does not change. If you were slim, you would live slim. If you were fat, you would live fat. If you were dark, you live the same way. Nothing changes in the physical. Your, your mind does not instantly begin to just think only pure thoughts. <laughs> Actually, that's why you're a human being. You're still in the flesh. You would still be tempted sometimes. Your mind and your on your body, they now have some warming up to do to this, your new nature. They have to get used to it. Each time you now miss the mark, like a baby that is still crawling, a baby is six months old, the baby is nine months old. The parents don't expect this baby to just get up and walk. They know there is a process. Start crawling, crawl, crawl, then you start walking and staggering and falling till you now find your feet. The same way when you miss the mark, God does not now say, hey, Look at this one. She came, she came to me two days ago. Now, she has gone back, right? Look at her. She's now coming to pray, appearing before me. See how she looks like the devil, her father with two hands. No. He says, oh, she's still learning to walk. She's still learning to crawl. 
He picks you up like a child that has played in the mud and dips you in the blood of Jesus and sits you right beside him. Hey, stay here, stay put, stop going around dancing in sin. That is it. Because if you don't come to understand that God is your father, the same way your mom will tell you, wash plates, and maybe you forgot or you were just playing, and you wouldn't. And then you come back and they spank you and they're angry at you. But the moment that you still appear before them boldly and say, Daddy, say I should bring school fees or Daddy, I want to buy chocolate. And with so much assurance that they would give it to you because this is my daddy, this is my mommy. The pastor Jesus said, if your earthly parents being wicked, if human beings are naturally wicked, know that whether my child acts in a particular way, they are still my responsibility. I am looking out for this one. I will still train them. I will still be responsible for them. How much more your father in heaven who is all love. What God does is he convicts you of that sin by his Holy Spirit that is in you and he strengthens you with power. He strengthens you with the discipline and the wisdom to not repeat it again. And with time, with total surrender to the Holy Spirit, after a while, you find out you're living without sin. Now, I've heard people say it's impossible to live without sin. They, they'll quote this verse, Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But they don't continue to the next verse that says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, not our righteousness. So because people focus on their own righteousness, they find it difficult to do right by God and they just take verse 23 as their reality and assume it is the same for everybody. I remember telling somebody one time, do you know it is possible to be righteous? And this guy just flared up. He said, I've been listening to everything you had to say all this while, but you see at this point, I refuse to listen to you any longer. Take your leave. How can you say? The Bible says all have sinned. And I said, exactly. All have sinned. Look at the tenses. All have sinned. Did he say all will continue to be sinners? If he had said all have sinned and forever and ever for all eternity, all will remain sinners, I would have said, okay, I see your point. But he says, all have sinned and conscious of the glory of God. It did not stop there. He now moved on to say, being justified, meaning there is a solution to the previous verse. But people just tend to take all I've seen and sit there. And every single day of their life is, Father, forgive me. Some evil believers, people that have received the nature of God, wake up every morning. And because of this mindset that we are all just sinners, we are all filthy. Forever and ever will remain filthy till we go to heaven. So every day, you just keep repeating. After I say, Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for life and all of those thank yous. Then I ask that you forgive me. I don't know if I have sinned. I can't really recall anything I did, but I know that the Bible says all I have sinned. And the Bible says it has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear. Where we come cowering each morning, each time we're praying, God, I have come again, this sinner that I am. No, that is not the spirit of grace. That is not the spirit of God. He says he has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of sonship. That makes us cry, Abba, Father. The spirit that knows that even when I make a mistake, I will still come before my Father because I am spoken for in heaven. Because I know there is the blood of Jesus that is always flowing for me. Because people focus on their own righteousness and not the righteousness of God, which is a gift. They find it difficult to do right by God. So Romans 10 verse 2 to 5 says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. They know they, there is a burning desire in their hearts. I know all of these things. I want to do them. I really want to please this God. And seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So Christ has come to end works. Jesus Christ said, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it because for generations after generations, human beings tried to live by the law, to fulfill the law, but it was just impossible. Till now, it is impossible to, by your own power, fulfill everything God requires of you. It is absolutely impossible. But Jesus Christ said, I did not come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. Which means I came to empower you to be able to do that. It's the law that gave power to sin. It makes sin seem so enormous, like a big mountain that cannot be defeated. Jesus Christ says, yes, yes, yes. I we saw all of that from heaven. Now I have, I've come to show you a better way. I did not come to abolish it, no. But I came to fulfill it. I came to show you the way to now please God without striving. And the way is simply by submitting to the righteousness of God. So the day you understand that righteousness is not by your efforts, that's the day you open up yourself to begin to enjoy and live out righteousness. When you receive the gift of God's righteousness and you miss the mark, you did not lose your righteousness. You did not lose the Holy Spirit of God in you. You did not lose the nature of God, the life of God. No, you did not. Actually, the fact that you run back to God immediately and say, Abba Father, I am sorry. That's the Holy Spirit in you convicting you. Because the average human is comfortable in sin. When the Bible says, He that is born of God does not sin, for the seed of God remains in him. Meaning, you cannot be comfortable in sin. It is against your nature. Everything in you begins to fight against it. The moment you just do that thing, everything in you begins to fight. You lose your peace. You lose your joy. Everything. Your spirit is, is in a state of uproar. That's because you're a son of God. You don't lose the nature of God because you did not earn it by your behavior. God regards sin as not based on what you do. Or based on that nature. So regardless of whatever good you do, we are trying to do this or that, it does not qualify you with him because you still have the maximum potential to do the greatest evils when temptation comes. Now, how do you get rid of this nature of sin and receive the nature of God that empowers you to be righteous? You'll be shocked at how simple it is to receive this great gift. It's simply by faith. So Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Simple. Being justified by your faith, you have peace with God. You're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Now, you may be wondering, faith in what? What should I have faith in? Simple. The word of God. The word of God that you've heard, that Jesus Christ came to do what you could never have done, to reconcile you back to God and make you a son to take away sin and give you righteousness when you have faith in this word it is counted to you as righteousness bible says abraham believed and just counted to him for righteousness so when you believe this gospel i can't do this by myself and jesus christ had to come and reconcile me back to god and you believe it in your heart then it is counted to you as righteousness but there's one more step romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Believing that when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he thought of you too. And he has already prepared a gift of righteousness and sonship for you as well. You have to open up your mouth and confess to God what you have believed and receive that gift. In that moment, it is done. Sin is replaced with righteousness and death is replaced with life. This is so simple that so many people find it difficult to do. Stop waiting for the dramatic. 
this is solely a spiritual experience god may allow some signs a few times at the point of receiving its nature but don't miss god in the ordinary because you're looking for the wonders this work happens in your spirit and as soon as you make that prayer in faith it is done you're now a new creature that never before existed all things have passed away and everything about you is now new your name is now in the book of life you are now righteous a son of god this is what it means to be born again to be born with one nature and then you get to a point of your life where you decide to receive a new nature and you are reborn there is a rebirth this is simply what it means to be born again this is sin and righteousness demystified according to the bible this is how god sees it this is his perspective on sin and righteousness and i pray today and if before you probably had a different idea about all of this it is fine this is why it has come to you today so you'd come to realize that you don't have to do so much you don't have to try so much you don't have to fight it doesn't have to be a struggle actually this christianity this entire god thing has been painted to us as something that should be done with so much effort that you know you have to sacrifice <laughs> yes there's some parts of it that require sacrifice you know but if this foundation is not established when you get to that point you would buckle because your faith was not built on god's love it was built on effort 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 trying 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 if before now you've never come to that point where you told god i want your life i want your nature it is time for you to do that let me tell you it's one of the best decisions you can make like i said god is not saying you should change anything he knows you can't only come to him just the way you are with your heart open to let him guide you to let him navigate you into sonship to let him guide you into this new life just come with total submission with total surrender you say you want it to be your way no problem i have come just the way i am do what you will with me take away the nature of sin I receive your spirit and I submit to your spirit to now guide me into living out the fruits of righteousness. Simple. You will be launched into freedom. Your wings would spread so wide, you would soar, you would fly the sky without limits. This is the life God has called us to live. This is what God has in mind for every single one of us. And Father, I thank you. Thank you for your immense love. Thank you for your love that is so great. Thank you for while we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for us. We don't deserve this kind of love. I thank you for your word that has come to each and every one of us. And we've received your word, Father. We believe you. And at this moment, I would love to pray with you. Can you just say with me, Father, I thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving me so much that you already sent your son to die for me. Thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you for your blood that is still speaking and is still flowing. Today I come before you just as I am and I surrender myself to you. I ask that you forgive me all my sins and wash me with your blood. I receive the forgiveness of sin and I receive your gift of righteousness. I receive sonship and I receive your fatherhood. From today, you are my father and I am your child and I receive your nature. I receive your Holy Spirit. 
and I submit myself totally to his leading. And I receive the power to become a son, to live above sin. I receive the grace to resist temptation in the name of Jesus. I decree that all things are passed away and everything about me has now become new. Thank you, Father, for I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for my sins have been forgiven. Thank you, Father, for I am now seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. Thank you, Father, for my name is now in the book of life. In the name of Jesus, I have prayed. Amen. Father, I thank you for the work you've done right now in our spirits. Thank you because it does not have to be difficult or dramatic. It does not. We don't have to roll on the floor or cry a river or climb a mountain or do anything difficult. All we have to do is to believe and confess with our mouths. And thank you because you're faithful enough to be true to your word. And even as we've made these declarations and confessions before you, you've received us as your own. And we are now your children. Thank you for bringing bringing us into freedom. Thank you for bringing us into liberation. Thank you, gracious God. In the name of Jesus, we've prayed. Amen. If you made that prayer with me, whether you've made it before at some point or this is your first time making it, God has heard you and God now lives in you. The Holy Spirit of God now lives in you. You are now a son. You are now a son of God, you are now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Beautiful. And all you have to do is just surrender. Let the Holy Spirit have his way through you. It will guide you. It will teach you all things that you need to know. And I recommend that you read the book of Romans. The book of Romans really helped me to understand more about being a son, about being a child of God, what God has prepared for me, what my role is and what the role of god is it really launched me into greater heights of freedom than i ever imagined so i recommend that for you and with that this episode has come to an end thank you once again so much for listening to me i do not take your time and your attention for granted thank you so much for supporting this podcast and i hope this has been a great blessing to you Please leave me a comment in the comment section. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your suggestions and anything that you have to tell me. You can also reach me on Instagram at promiseanago. And please share to your loved ones, share to your friends, share to your family members, share to everyone you think should get to hear this. And as you do so, may my God bless you. Till next time, keep living, keep loving, and remain in the hands of God.